0: For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Voll here, and joining me today uh, is my friend Dory Clark. Uh, Dory is uh, she's the author of multiple books. Her, her, she's got her upcoming book, The Long Game, which we'll be talking about today. Um, she's got a book called Reinventing You. Um, She's got a book called Stand Out, um, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. Uh, She's got another book called Entrepreneurial You, um, which was named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Forbes. Um, She's an author. She's an educator. Uh, You may be subscribed to her email list. She's been a longtime friend and supporter of Self-Publishing School. and We've helped a bunch of folks in her community um, write and publish books. Uh, And so today, we're going to be talking about uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes of her upcoming book. I also want to talk about building kind of an author brand, uh, becoming a full-time author. Obviously, it's something we talk about a lot, and I think Dory just embodies that, uh, and building an email list. She's done an amazing job uh, of doing that, so I'm going to ask some questions around that as well. Dory, welcome. Hey, Chandler. So great to be talking with you. So, hey, why why are books... Such a huge part of your brand and and a huge part of your business. Well,
1: I I am a big fan of books for a lot of reasons, uh, and I think we probably share a philosophy around this, but over the course of the past decade, I've really been studying extensively the question of how you become a recognized expert in your field. And what I've come to realize is that fundamentally there's three elements to it, and writing books actually helps with all three, so it's kind of a trifecta. The first is content creation because it kind of makes sense. You can't be a thought leader. You can't be recognized for your expertise if people don't know what your ideas actually are. So you need to share it somehow. And a book is a great way to do it. Number two is social proof. You need to, to be demonstrating credibility. And books are really important for, for that way too. Uh, if you think about getting booked at conferences to speak or things like that, they really want authors. They want to see that somebody knows enough to write, you know, whatever it is, 200 or 300 pages s- sustained about a topic and have that level of expertise. And the third piece is your network. And obviously, writing a book helps you develop that, both because more people know about your work, but also for many types of books, you're interviewing people, you're interacting with people. And so it gives you a way to build your community and make sure that more people know who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, it's how we met. (laughs) It's in the early days. I think I brought you on an interview for maybe like, uh, the self-publishing success summit. I want to say way back in like 2015, back in the day, the work that you were doing, um, publishing books uh, and all that good stuff. That's cool. And you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. Uh, it's super cheesy, but I like it. Uh, it's just that the root word of authority is author, and you can't spell authority without the word author. And so you talk about becoming <laughs> an authority on something, and, and how a book's such a huge part of that. Um, you've built you know we talk a lot about becoming a full-time author and people always ask like okay what does that take like there's a pie chart of things (laughs) that i'm gonna do um to ultimately become full-time and i feel like this has probably evolved over the years um for you since you first kind of started writing and publishing books but what does that look like now like if you were to take a pie chart of kind of your income what percentage of that is book royalties and advances? What percentage of that is speaking? What percentage of that is course sales? Like, what does that kind of pie chart look like for you? And what have you learned? And how has that evolved kind of over the years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And full time is, is obviously kind of an interesting question as well, because I, I think for, for most authors, we're not literally spending all of our time writing the yeah. book. Uh, so So much of actually the part that's fun about writing books. Um, it's, it's some of the, the ancillary activities or the add-on activities that you get to do as a result of your books, like speaking or creating online communities or things like that. So in my case, uh, the actual books that I write, I mean, it's, it's frankly a very small part of the revenue. Um, it's, you know, I, I think of books as being Really, a a brand a brand building and a credibility building tool. I, I earn some money from it, but the money is actually much more lucrative in the work that I do, which is around you know executive coaching and and you know work on brand and things like that uh, on the back end. And so I would say I probably earn maybe around thirty five percent of my income from executive coaching and masterminds that I run. Uh, probably another let's call it, I'm, I'm going to butcher the numbers and it'll probably yeah. end up as slightly more or less than 100%. So forgive me, but yeah. let's call it 40% from online courses. Uh, some of them are ones that I run myself, like my recognized expert course. And some of them are ones that I do through other entities like uh skill or LinkedIn learning or exec online. And, um, Then, you know, those are really the primary pieces. Speaking was a big part of my business pre-COVID that declined for uh, somewhat obvious reasons during the pandemic. I did some webinars, but, um, you know, the, the volume declined. I am assuming that it will probably pick back up once whenever uh, the pandemic gets resolved. But for the time being, a lot of that income shifted to uh, to online courses and online learning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those are the, the primary pieces. I do a little bit of organizational consulting, uh, but that, those are the large ones.
0: Got it. That's great. And gosh, I mean, kudos to you for building a diversified income streams through your books and through your platforms and all that stuff. Cause I mean, I think for a lot of people going through something like a pandemic when speaking is a large part of your income can just be crippling. And so it just like goes to show of not like building your foundation on a single point of failure, like what you've done with the books, with the brand, with the online courses, the online, you know, uh, the coaching, consulting, all that stuff to, to really not have a single point of failure. Now, with the books, uh, I would imagine, so are the books, you, you you said you view them kind of as a as a brand builder. Is that a lead in and kind of a feeder to a lot of the other stuff? I'm assuming? So to the speaking, to the coaching consulting, and the courses and that sort of thing.
1: in In many ways, it is. I, I think of it as a flywheel. Um, there, I haven't used the books literally as lead magnets in the way that some people do, where it's you know oh, free plus postage or or whatever. Uh, but broadly speaking, what I have sought to do is to create ways at different price points for people to find out about me and to get more involved in my world. So ultimately you want to have free options for people. So that would be things like they come to your website, they read your articles, maybe they subscribe to your email list. If they think that's reasonably interesting, they buy a book for 20 bucks. And at that point, hopefully they start to get more and more interested in what you're doing. And you have different options and different offerings. And so I have everything from you know, a $200 online course to a $2,000 online course. I have masterminds that I run that are currently it's 15K. I have private coaching, uh, you know, which, is, which is more than that. And so there's a lot of different ways that people can interface with me at different price points and different levels of intensity. And some of the uh, the way that I've used the books in the early days, I mean, mostly I just wanted to write a book. (laughs) That was my goal. Mm -hmm. I've been a little bit more strategic since then, and so in many ways, this book, Entrepreneurial You, Mm -hmm. uh, which is my most most recent uh, one that's actually out, The Long Game is is going to be coming out in September. But uh, Entrepreneurial You was really sort of much much more explicitly tied to my business model. I and I think probably a lot of your your students in your community might think about it in similar ways. I wrote a book about what I wanted to learn. And so the subtitle for Entrepreneurial U, it's it's monetize your expertise, create multiple income streams and thrive. And so Mm. I wanted to learn how to do it basically. So it gave me an opportunity to interview a lot of smart folks, uh, understand what they were doing, literally, I tried it out myself, I made myself a guinea pig, you know, experimenting with things, you know, from online courses to, uh, to different strategies. And then I wrote about it and shared in the book, uh, so that people could have different roadmaps.
0: Mm. And and that seems like that, is, is that a theme for you is, is, is kind of making yourself a guinea pig and writing about, you know, transitions or things that you've just done? Or was that just for that book?
1: Well, I I wouldn't say that it's a universal theme, but for my for my one before that we can we can do more props. Uh, this one is called uh, Standout: How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It. And the the question that was on my mind at the time, I mean, I was writing this book. You know, it came out in 2015. I was writing it in 2013. I really wanted to. Uh, get known in my field. I I wanted to become a recognized expert, you know, before starting my recognized expert course, I wanted to be a recognized expert. And I was like, well, how do I do it? And so this was a book where it gave me an excuse and an opportunity to interview people that I really admired in the field, Uh, you know, like a Tom Peters or a Daniel Pink or a Robert Cialdini and understand what they did specifically to try to you know, to build up their thought leadership. And I tried to deconstruct that process and then share that with other people. And so that methodology ultimately led to my course in community.
0: Mm. And then how do you serialize, uh, in a sense, the book? I mean, you had Reinventing You that did well, and then you had Entrepreneurial You. Kind of off. I think that was the the correct order. I was looking on. I was looking on Amazon. I'm like, I feel like these dates must be wrong, or maybe they just, uh, or uh, maybe it was just a quick one-two punch. Because on Amazon, it was like it looked like they were a month or two apart. Is that is that right? And then how did you kind of serialize and and release those books?
1: Yeah, so the the timing, uh, the first book, reinventing you, was 2013. Uh, the second oh, one, stand out, was 2015. The third one, entrepreneurial you, was 2017. So it, it was it was a lot in a row, but but there was a little time Ooh, in between. I've got been uh, I've now been indolent uh, for the past four years. So uh, so four years later, uh, stand out is uh, <laughs> is coming out.
0: <laughs> That's like uh, I think you know this. My brother plays in the Grammy-nominated rock and roll band Need to Breathe. Uh, and they and that's like record uh, record schedules. you know, it's like every two years or three years, and then you go tour on the album and all that stuff. And then you've got uh, the Drake uh, method, which is a, an album every year, uh, and a stable of writers and all that. And I was just giving my brother a hard time because they've released two albums in the pandemic. I was like, you oh, wow. guys are on that Drake uh, launch schedule. You got an album a year. So so that four years, kind of in the gap there. Um, and, and did you relaunch, um, reinventing you at some point or
1: it came out in paperback. So, ah, uh, got it. yeah. Okay. So I think in 20, in 2017, it was released in paperback and I wrote a new forward for it.
0: Got it. And that was, it sounds like probably part of the promotion for entrepreneurial you. That's exactly right. Yep. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. And now, so I guess, coming back to kind of the present and looking ahead, because I want to talk about, you know, a few things, building email lists, book launch stuff, all that good stuff. But I guess maybe more conceptually, you get this book that's coming out, uh, The Long Game. How are you taking The Long Game uh, with books as a whole?
1: Well, part of part of how I'm taking The Long Game, I I was... All about writing as many books as quickly as I could, you know, as as evinced by the uh, publication schedule uh, early on. Part of the reason I wanted to do it was, number one, I wanted to build social proof, I wanted to just get a lot under my belt, uh, because I thought, you know, that is a way to be taken more seriously is to create more, hopefully high quality IP in the world. Um, I was also worried that the traditional publishing industry was going to collapse, and so I thought I should get in under the wire before it did. Uh, it seems unlikely to completely collapse, but um, <laughs> you know it's uh, it's 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 a weakened animal at this point. But I figured, okay, once I had three, then I could actually it, it, my long game strategy. Uh, actually, and I'm glad you're you're asking about this. You have to think in waves. You have to think in phases, and this is something I actually talk about in the long game. And there there are times when you have to over-index on certain things. And so early on, as I was building my business and my career, I felt that it was important for me to over-index on credibility. And I just wanted mm. all the social proof because I knew that that is something that makes everything else you do downstream easier. And so I worked on that very assiduously by pumping out these books. But then after Entrepreneurial You, I mean, essentially, it's a book about making money, right, about multiple revenue streams. And I said, all right, uh, it's, t- it's time to shift focus here. It's, t- it's time to monetize. And so I started to, uh, to really get focused on developing developing my online community, uh, the recognized Expert course, de- you know, developing a ton. And I literally mean a ton. Like, I've done 25 plus courses for LinkedIn Learning, like really just over-indexing on that. Uh, because I I figured it it was time to flip the switch and monetize. And so now I'm back, you know, four years later, I've had enough time to let new ideas percolate and sort of reshift the focus to to other areas of creating new IP.
0: I love that. And it's, we're very similar in that way, both in, I think, in approach and in just kind of I, I did six books in three years wow yeah and it was like all right cool i'm not writing a book for a while <laughs> and the last one came out in 2016 yeah. uh, and i'm going to do an updated and revised version of my um my most recent book published but outside of that it's, it's i'm not I'm not writing book for a while like it's, it's we're we're business building we're scaling we're growing and, and all that stuff but i like the kind of the blinders approach of like all right we're going to focus on a thing and go in on the, all, all in on that thing and then build up critical mass to where when you move on to the next thing that that flywheel still spinning, kind of, as you said, I'm curious on the LinkedIn, um, the LinkedIn courses, what was why LinkedIn courses is that, is that a list builder is or these paid courses like I know you you've got a big following on LinkedIn. You know what? What was kind of the strategy behind that, and especially behind doing all those LinkedIn uh, learning courses? Sure. Uh,
1: so so there's a number of of different online platforms that uh, that I work with. I mean, I'm just starting to do some stuff with Udemy, which has a business uh, branch, and you know there's there's other ones, but l- my largest affiliation, my deepest affiliation, has been with LinkedIn Learning, and I would say certainly it is great for exposure. Um, One of my courses on strategic planning was the number two most popular course on the entire LinkedIn Learning platform last year, out of about sixteen thousand. So it has had more than one point one million people go through the course. Uh, so it de- it definitely gets you uh, a lot more new audiences and new eyeballs. I hear mm. from people every week who who have taken it and, and seen it, which oh, is nice. fantastic. Um, but it it you know frankly it's it's a great revenue driver. It's a surprisingly great revenue driver. Um, so. The the way that it works is LinkedIn Learning. They've done some pilots around um, people being able to purchase individual courses, but in general, they've worked on building a library and it's sort of, you know, quote unquote Netflix style, where people, either people as individuals or at the enterprise level, companies buy per head subscriptions for their employees. And, you know, it's pretty affordable. You can take all the professional development videos that you want, and then the creators get a royalty share based on how much their videos are watched.
0: Mm, I see. Got it. And uh, any tips or things you've learned? I mean, this is just, I'm kind of partial, partially just uh, personal curiosity. Like any tips or things you've learned from publishing those LinkedIn learning courses um, that have caused them to to do so well on the platform?
1: Well, I think, I think part of it uh, you know, I, I feel lucky because in many cases, they have suggested the topics to me, and they found the topics through data analytics. So, oh. um, so that is that is helpful, you know, doing that level of analysis. <laughs> sure. And, you know, for us as authors, of course, we can do our own version of that, which is things like, you know, you write a bunch of blog posts and you see which one's hitting, which one, you know, are people responding to? What are what are they looking for? And then going toward that, perhaps rather than like whatever our pet idea is. Um, so that's been really useful and beyond that, I, I think, you know, it's, it's not dissimilar to public speaking in general, right? I mean, ultimately it's kind of the, the Venn diagram of being able to write well, because you are scripting this and you want to make it interesting for people, but also you have to perform well. And, you know, you're reading off of a teleprompter, you've got to make it interesting for people. So if you can do that, uh, that's sort of the sweet spot of what can make a great course. Mm, Nice.
0: Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we wanna help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right. So go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. Switching gears a little bit. um, Talk about email list building. I feel like you've done an unbelievable job of this. It it seems like it's been a focus. Uh, Yeah. Like your email list has just grown over the years. And I think way back to 2015, when we first met each other, it was like, I want to say it was like 15 or 20,000 people. And then I looked at on your site today and it said something like 57,000 people or. Yeah. Um, I haven't, like I haven't that. even
1: updated that. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm getting my site redesigned right now, but it's yeah. right now it's about 71 or 72,000.
0: Wow. So how have you done that? Like, how have you built your email list so quickly? So large, like want, what, what, it's like kind of a lot of questions at once, but like, why is email such a priority for you? Like any tips for other authors looking to build their email list?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this Chandler, because I'm sure you have a very well articulated philosophy, but in general, I am a big email fan. Um, It's, it's the relationship connection that you own with people. So, I mean, social media, Can change the algorithms anytime they want. And so no matter how many Facebook fans or whatever, how many Instagram followers you have, they can, they can just screw you at any minute they want. And it's very, very precarious and very dangerous. Um, so Email list building is much more secure because folks are are opting in. They're raising their hand. They're saying, "Yes, I would like to talk with you." So I think the key is creating for any author is creating a good and useful lead magnet, which is the the thing that you give them to incentivize them to uh, to opt in. Just saying, "Hey, join my email list," is it'll get you some people who are the diehard fans, but it mostly won't get you people because. If they don't already have the belief that you are amazing, that what they're going to say is, oh, one more, one more email newsletter. Like I need that like a hole in the head. <laughs> <laughs> so you wanna you wanna give them something that that would be interesting for them. So maybe it's a checklist, maybe it's an assessment, maybe it's access to a special webinar teaching them a thing that they really want to know. There's a lot of ways you can do it. In my case, I've really gone the self-assessment route, and so for mm. for all of my books, I've offered uh, different different self-assessments so that people can can really start to you know ask themselves questions about this. And so, for instance, something that would be probably especially relevant for your audience, uh, Chandler, is uh, the entrepreneurial you self-assessment because it's about how you can create multiple streams of revenue in your business this is something especially apt for authors who often have portfolio careers about you know writing or coaching or teaching or you know they do the online course And so uh, folks can get it for free. And this is the other key piece. You want to have an easy to remember URL so you can tell Mm -hmm. people and it'll stick in their head. So in my case, it's doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. And uh, so any of your listeners can go there, grab it, uh, you know, feel free to borrow the format. Literally what I did, which is pretty easy and any of us can do is I took the cover of the book, you know, made it the cover of a PDF and then. At the end of every chapter, I have these ask yourself questions. And basically, I took um, many of those questions, not all of them because they weren't all relevant, but I took most of them and I put them into the document as self assessment questions. You know, ask yourself this, wow. think about that. And so it took me like an hour and a half to create it because really mm. it's just, you know, porting it over from the, you know, the Microsoft Word document with the book. And then you have a graphic designer give it a once over and make it look attractive. And you've got your lead magnet.
0: Mm, that's great. Would you say that those assessments, has that been, I mean, predominantly how people have come onto your email list, or has there been other lead magnets that have worked really well as well?
1: In in my case, I've really just sort of over-indexed on it. I've created self-assessments for all of my books. So uh, each one has their own unique thing. You know, this, for, for this new one that's coming out, it's doryclark.com slash the long game. Uh, and if, if folks want to check that one out, the, the unique thing that I did, keep leveling up, is I had the, uh, the designer make it so that instead of having to print it out and write into the self-assessment, now you can type into it and save it as a PDF. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Uh, but yes, that's the major way. The other, um, the only other sort of strategy that I've personally used is I also created a link where, l- literally, sometimes you have a discussion uh, specifically about newsletters. Now, this is fairly uncommon. Usually, people want something; they want some kind of a lead magnet, but sometimes you'll have a conversation specifically about newsletters. There was an article that came out about a year ago that in Forbes that listed my newsletter as one of, you know, six like must read newsletters. Mm. And so as a result, um, you know, I, I get questions about it sometimes. So I created something specifically. It was, it's called doryclark.com slash subscribe. And, and it's just basically like, you want into my newsletter? Like, here you go. Here's the newsletter.
0: Yeah cool. And so that's built as the quality of content I'm assuming on your email list has been pretty consistent and probably gotten even better. That's now become almost kind of like a standalone thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. And um, I mean, ultimately for the, for the, if you're opting in via the lead magnet, you get the lead magnet and then you get the, the you know the email saying oh hey you know hopefully you want to be part of the newsletter here's you know l- let's get you in the newsletter um, the the newsletter one you know literally goes straight into that but um, the main thing for people who are interested in this is that once you receive your lead magnet. Uh, The next thing in the sequence is I've created these are autoresponders that just kind of go out automatically. A seven-email sequence. It's kind of what I will call like an introduction to the world of Dory Clark, sort of a greatest hits. And so it's like you know here's the key, uh, here's the key articles, here's the key videos. You know here's you know here's the things that you need to know. And then once they go through that, there is it's now I think about forty or so. Weekly newsletter emails, which are evergreen, and they go into the newsletter sequence and they get it once a week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I also do send broadcast emails, but at a minimum, it means that people are, you know, for the first close to a year are going to be getting weekly emails
0: from me. Kind of the greatest hits in turning those one one-time emails into long-term assets. That's smart. Yes. Um, outside of your books. Have you, like, is there any other major drivers of that email list growth? I mean, I'm assuming, you know, that's a prominent call to action in each book is like, hey, download the self-assessment. And that's kind of just picked up and kind of month after month grows the email list. Anything else um, as like a a channel or place source that people are coming from that's, that's dramatically growing your email list?
1: The two biggest ones are the articles that I write. Uh, So I I try to do a lot with writing for high profile publications. And so it's, you know, Harvard Business Review, Fast Company. I used to write for Forbes, an entrepreneur. And so in the bio, I always make sure that I link to my lead magnets in that. So Mm. that will often drive a lot of people to the list. And then the other thing is podcasts, which I do. Uh, Not very much under regular circumstances, but I do a lot of when I am doing book launches. And so you were referencing 2015 when we first met when I was doing the promotional push for Stand Out. That year, between February and December, I did 160 podcast interviews and Every single one, I made sure to mention my lead magnet and, you know, was, oh, if you want to learn more, go to doryclark.com slash, you know, in, in that case for the standout one, it was doryclark.com slash join, and people could get the standout self-assessment. Mm. But I, I was always pushing that and driving people to that. And literally just, you know, just by doing that, I was able to increase my, my list um, 150% over the course of the year.
0: Holy cow. That's awesome. Um, So podcast interviews is a a great source of not only book promotion, but um, growing the email list. Um, Gosh, I've got so many questions I want to ask. Let's talk uh, launch process for books. How has that evolved from book to book to book?
1: Well, I think you know. I think for the first one, <laughs> probably like a lot of new authors, ugh, you know, I I, tr- I tried to have general conversations with people, but you know, I mean, it's horrible. Like you don't know what you don't know, and it all hits you like a maelstrom. Uh, so I I was just woefully underprepared. I was totally you know finding myself last minute. You know, with people being like, "Oh, but we need a blah blah, but we need a description of your talk. We need this asset. We need that asset." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I I didn't know." You know, so I'm like <laughs> staying up till three in the morning creating the thing that they need. Um, so I started to just get a little more organized uh, after after that. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully uh, this is the most organized launch yet. We'll see. But in terms of how it's changed, I mean, I've tried different things for standout in 2015. I actually did do a legit uh, book tour. I really wanted to, this was just kind of like a bucket list goal to do it. And I was able to convince my publisher to pay for it, which was exciting. Um, it was, you know, I mean, it was, it was not the fanciest thing in the world, but, uh, but nonetheless, I got to do it in multiple cities. And so I would speak in bookstores. Uh, I spoke in New York, uh, Boston, San Francisco, Seattle, In Los Angeles, um, and oh, in DC. So I kind of went up and down the East Coast for it, which was really cool. Uh, I have to say, you know, in retrospect, that um, you know they're unnecessary. (laughs) They're really fun. It's really fun to do that and to be in a bookstore or whatever. But the truth is, unless you're John Grisham, you're going to be really lucky. It's going to be like really, really successful if you have 50 people in a bookstore, and that means you'll maybe sell 30 copies. And guess what, like, even the worst podcast, you're probably going to have more people in the room for that. So podcasts, or, you know, webinars or whatever, are actually a lot more effective, honestly.
0: No doubt. And I, I call it a virtual book tour. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's the, the effect of a book tour, but it's like when you did your 160 podcast interviews over the course of that few months, I mean, that's your virtual book tour and it's going to sell way more books because it's people who are likely to buy books.
1: That's right. And it has a long tail. I mean, people are still listening to those episodes today, yeah. which obviously is not the case if mm-hmm. you're in a city one time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, so that's how your process has evolved. What? Why do you think why do you think your books have sold so well as a whole? Uh, And any tips specifically for getting more reviews? I just noticed like, as you look at the kind of the books that you've launched, it's like, it seems like you've gotten better and better at selling books and, and getting reviews because the reviews are climbing kind of on all those books.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Well, of course, one of the things that I, have tried to prioritize. And again, I had no clue with my first book, uh, just, you know, out to lunch with these things, but I've, I've tried to become more organized is through having launch teams. And I know this is something that you talk about and, and think of as, as important. And I really agree with that. Um, the The way that I've structured it for this launch for the long game is I, so again, a useful part of building an email list is it's a built in audience. It's a built in way to reach people who already like your stuff. So, without that much effort, right? I sent out two, two emails talking about it, and I was able to get over 500 people who click the link to volunteer to be part of the launch team. And so then I created a separate email sequence for people on the launch team with the instructions and the, the basic idea again because I didn't want to cannibalize the book sales. So I said, "Okay, here's what's what's involved in being part of the launch team. Number 1, you pre-order the book. <laughs> and then number 2, if you email a receipt to my team, they in you know, they'll get the receipt and then they they will send you the link to download the advanced galley copy, and so mm, then they can nice. read they can read the book early uh, as kind of their reward, and uh, so then what I've asked them to do is you know write an honest review of uh, of the book, and I'm actually uh, the other the other innovation as a way of trying uh, you know and we're we're about six weeks out so we'll see how all this goes but as a way of of trying to incentivize people actually doing it uh, I've created a, a like a Google Doc inviting them, uh, to, you know, and periodically I'm pinging them. Okay. You finished the book, right? Good. You finished the book, write your review. Now, plug it into this Google doc. And then the day of the
0: launch, we will email it to you so that you can just plug it in. Nice. That's smart. I love that idea. That's a great idea. Um, Speaking of the launch, obviously you've got the long game coming out real soon. As we're recording this, we're in uh, we're in pre-order uh, mode. Um, what do you do in the launch of this book? And what's kind of like the strategy as a whole? I mean, you've talked about the launch team being a big part of that. You've talked about podcast interviews, I'm assuming being a big part of that. Anything else that you would consider as like a major part of the launch strategy as a whole?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the beyond that some of the things that I have done, uh, one of them is because this is now my fourth book, it, it would not have been helpful uh, er- earlier, you know, like with my first book. But once you have a few books under your belt, uh, something that, that is useful is to keep a list of all the reporters that have written about your book in the past, because they're kind of the low-hanging fruit that theoretically might Write about you again. So I reached out to all of those people personally, and I offered them an advanced copy of the book. So that's that's been a piece of the outreach is you know trying to reach out to people who already know me and hopefully like my work uh, to send them a, a copy of the new book. Um, the other uh, the other aspect, of course, as we've talked about, is podcasts. So I currently have. Uh, about 110 podcasts that either have been recorded or will be recorded uh, through, say, October. So wow. there's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And, uh, and then the other piece that I've been concentrating on is bulk sales as well and uh, reaching out to corporations. This is more relevant for, for some topics than others, but if you're writing a business relevant or business adjacent book, it could be. Uh, so reaching out to people in corporations that you know, and essentially trading a webinar for a book purchase.
0: Mm. Oh, interesting. So, these bigger corporations, you're saying, hey, if you buy 200 books, or just as an example, like I'll come in and do a, a training that I would normally charge for for your audience.
1: Precisely. Yeah. It's, it's essentially uh, just, just saying, yeah, I will, I will give up my fee in exchange for this book purchase. And, you know, it's a pretty nice offer for them because it means that whatever money they were going to allocate, they get this extra bonus of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we get the training and we get this gift that we can give to our employees or to our clients. So usually that's a, a deal that they would like to take.
0: Yeah. That's smart. And any tips for folks on coordinating that many podcast interviews Like how do you, how do you do that? How do you keep it all straight? Like, how do you book that many?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's honestly less hard than you might think. I mean, you know, some people hire, of course uh, you know, companies or consultants to help them book podcasts and that's a totally legit thing to do. Um, But it's not, it's not strictly necessary. In, in my case, again, over the years, I've been on a lot of podcasts. And so there were a lot of hosts that I could reach out to that I already knew, but but also I'm, I'm certainly not confining myself just to places that I've been before. And so in terms of how to find podcasts, uh, one of the strategies that I like, I call the doppelganger strategy. And uh, basically, it's finding someone who you feel like is it kind of maybe just ahead of you in terms of where you want to be in publishing. Like they've written a similar type of book. Like you don't want to pick the most famous person in their field because it's like, Oh, well, you know, she's been on Oprah, super soul Sunday. Oh, let me try to be on that. Well, you know, it's, it's probably not going to work very effective uh, effectively, but if you pick somebody who, you know, let's say you would call them a few years ahead of you in terms of your career arc or your notoriety, um, that's perfect because then it gives you sort of a a range of things of like, oh, well, if they had her on, if they had him on, like that seems plausible. And so you can essentially stalk those podcasts and either approach them cold or uh, what I like to do is to go through the list and see if there's anybody that you know who's been on them and see if they would be willing to make an introduction to you. So it's a great way to do it. And then in terms of literally scheduling most podcast, host, podcast hosts, if they are organized, if they actually take it seriously, they usually have a scheduling link. Like, you know, so it's actually not that hard. They'll, you know, they'll be like, okay, Chandler, we'll have you on the show. Here's the link. And then you just book what works for you. So yeah. not a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's great. Dory, this is so good. A couple final questions. Um, how are, I, I asked you a similar, but slightly different question earlier, specific to the long game. I'm curious, how are you taking the long game uh, specific to promotion and book sales for your books?
1: Yeah. When it, when it comes to, to book sales and promotion, I mean, for instance, one of, one of the things that I am really committed to actually specifically for this book, I think that something that I, I, you know, I won't say did wrong because that's, that's a little too harsh. And I like to be self-forgiving. but something that I could have done better in the past is that, I was very good for my previous books at like really, uh, hustling and operationalizing around the launch, but I honestly think I stopped book promotion too soon. Mm. And I, some of the really inspiring things that I've heard, uh, from, you know, from colleagues whose books have done really well. Like my friend, Michael Bungay Stanier, whose book, the coaching habit has been enormously successful his self-published book, yeah. uh, the coaching habit.
0: He I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying. Yeah. Great book. Sorry. I interrupted your thought.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, he really, in talking with him, he said, you know, I had a five-year plan to promote it. Like, that's how long. Yeah. And I think that's that's what we really need to do is essentially not jump to the next thing, uh, nice. but but just keep, keep going with it. And so nice. The Long Game, I feel like, is the right book for me to do that. I, it's a book I feel very proud of. I feel like it also for me personally, in terms of what I'm trying to accomplish in my business is useful because it appeals to both a corporate audience and an individual audience. So it, it has kind of crossover potential. So I am, I'm am definitely not planning to publish another book for five years. That's, that's for sure. You know, I might start kicking something around, but, but do not expect another book until at least 2026, because I am going to spend five years promoting this book.
0: Yeah. And, and it's and it's on brand for the topic of the book <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and it's uh what some have called on the podcast the five-year launch which i kind of like it just totally it just encapsulates that that taking the long game with book promotion um hey dory a couple final questions knowing what you know now uh what will be your advice to the dory from four books ago or all the other dories who are out there about to uh write and publish their first book
1: Oh, well, the, the biggest one we've touched on, which is the importance of building an email list. I really had no email list to speak of when I launched my first book, Reinventing You, and i I think I think it helps. So uh, so starting starting now, if you don't have a lead magnet, create your lead magnet, get it up, get it get it going, so that it gives people a way, so that you can stay in touch with them. So that you, I mean, frankly, the most important long game activity you can do of all is just build long-term relationships with people. The reason they're going to buy your book, I mean, maybe they'll buy your book because they suddenly saw it and they're like, oh, that's exactly what I'm looking for. But in most cases, the reason they buy your book is because they're like, wow, I've been following Chandler for five years and he's given me so much value. He's so smart. I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. I really want this book. And so that's the kind of long-term relationships we want to be building with our readers.
0: Mm. I love that. That's great. Dory, this has been fantastic. Where can people go uh, to pre-order this book specifically and then um, to find out more about you and what you're up to?
1: I appreciate it, Chandler. Thank you so much. Well, this this is uh, certainly a wherever books are sold uh, situation, but you can also get uh, a variety of links to different bookstores and things like that at doryclark.com slash long game. And if folks want to learn more, the website really is the best place. It's the compendium. I have more than 700 free articles available on the site that I've written for places like Forbes and the Harvard
0: Business Review. So I hope they might be helpful. And you said doryclark.com slash long game. That's it. Got it. That makes sense. And that that that's probably why Ford slash the long game is the self-assessment. <laughs>
1: you got it, my man. (laughs) And in fact, part of, I knew that like people will probably screw that up in some way. Right. But it doesn't matter because they can go to either one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the things that you only like, you only realize are strategically smart after you do three or four books. Right. Well, guys, go to doryclark.com slash long game, pre-order the book. This is a concept that I wholeheartedly believe in. uh, And I think too many people are taking the short game when it comes to selling books, promoting their book, when it comes to goals that they have in their business. Um, So you're going to want to pre-order this book uh, and read it. Dory, thank you so much. Thank you, my man. Always great to talk with you. Yes, ma'am.